This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who's somewhere off the coast of Massachusetts. Mike, how you doing? I'm good, Steve. It's It's been a while. I'm happy to catch up here. Uh, I am... I do want to mention that I am on an undefeated streak when it comes to racing. And I think you'll be surprised to hear that, that I'm uh, 1-0 in my last in my last one. So uh, we had a, a Stonehill track and field alumni event recently. And, you know, this, this thing is littered with children. Now there's just, everyone's got their kids and the event is just swarming with kids. So after the uh, track meet, a bunch of us brought our, our kids out into onto the track and tried to convince them to race each other. And, you know, it, it went okay. There were some distractions along the way. Some people were playing in the sand pit. It's a little bit of a mess. But the uh, the final home stretch just turned into to everyone picking up their kids. When I say everyone, it was like three of us sprinting down the home stretch. And uh, me and me and Joel took the victory. We took the dub. So I think I might be back. I think I you know I'm one and all my last one. I'm uh, I'm on a, I'm on a winning streak here. And I think there there's there's got to be some room for some kind of hybrid event here, Steve, the, uh, the one-year-old 400 meter dash here. So now you're taking credit for Joel's victories. That's true. It was Joel's victory, but we, you know, it's team effort. So, I mean, there was a tag team effort. There was a while there where like my goal was just to win local road races. Like there was a, you know, probably a two year stretch where I just, I would just show up to every local road race. And, you know, I'm not saying I won everyone, but I'd be in the mix and I'd win a good deal of them. And uh, I have obviously have the same name as my father. And so for a while there, like my dad would show up to work and be like, oh, Steve, I saw your name in the paper there. Congratulations on the road race you won. And for a while, he tried to fight and be like, no, it's my son. And after a while, he said he just gave up and he just started taking thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a lot easier. Just be like, oh, yeah, no, thanks. Thanks. Move on. <laughs> so I'm starting it early. Yeah, take it. So take it's too bad that you too bad you didn't name, you know, Joel after yourself. And you that's right. You no. Know, now you can then you could really take credits for his victories. But I ran a uh, I ran a half marathon yesterday, Mike, and or was it yesterday? It was, yeah, it was yesterday. Two did. It was no, yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Wow, it was it's yesterday. Been it's been a long twenty four hours. Um, <laughs> and Mike, it was. And you know, I would like to think that I'm in pretty decent shape right now. I've been grinding. I've been working hard. Um, but it was the first really hot day of the year. A really hot day. I say it was the first like mid to high 70 day and the course was extremely hilly i thought it was going to be a flat marathon and i i like i bonked i bonked at mile 10 absolute just crash and burn and it's one of these things where like i'm trying to tell myself like i'm in pretty good shape right now but you can walk away from that and it's like it completely shatters like everything you think about your fitness when that something like that happens. So I'm trying not to let it bother me. I'm trying to stay on, stay focused here for the, for the, you know, marathon training that I'm, I'm really just kicking off now, but blowing up like that in a long race, there is, there is nothing worse than that. I mean, if you, you can like 
there's equivalents of like, you know, it's all relative, right? Depending on the, on the distance of the race. And it could be like, you could completely blow up in a 5k, but still like somewhat salvage it. When you blow up in the court, like in a 13 mile race, there's no hiding it. Like there's no gutting it to the finish. Like there is, it is, it is one of like the worst feelings when you're like, I have nothing and I still have a 5k to run. Yeah, it's ugly. It, it is for sure ugly. But listen, I saw your your splits, and you went out hard. You went out hard. You put yourself out there, and it it from what it looks like with your splits, it was like either, that that day was gonna go one of two ways. Either you were gonna have I was either gonna win the race or I was gonna bonk. Yeah, or you were gonna have a huge day, and you set yourself up to have a huge day. You went out in five fifty or something crazy like that. So. I mean, listen, it happens. You you put yourself in a chance to to win and uh it doesn't happen. A week ag- all I'm saying is a week ago at this time, I could not feel better about my running and the trajectory I'm on I was on. Now it's like question everything. So back to the drawing board. Gotta get, you know, gotta get back out there. Um gonna take a day off and and you know, stretch out and regroup and get out there tomorrow. But um, you know, I think I was probably feeling a little bit like our our uh, our our friend now, uh, Elliot Kipchoge, felt after Boston Marathon, and you know we've had a couple weeks to kind of sit on the Boston Marathon. I have a couple Boston Marathon related topics that I want to dive into uh, after the fact, um, but I just kind of wanted to do a little cleanup here. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, Kipchoge had there was an article about Kipchoge in Runner's World where he he got interviewed a couple days after the fact. Uh he was probably the feistiest, the testiest we've ever seen Elliot Kipchoge in this interview. They even commented at how feisty he was with the media and how angry he was. Um any any thoughts on uh, on the well, I don't know if we can call him the goat because we always said fifth place, but um debatably our goat. Any any thoughts here? couple of weeks removed from the marathon. Yeah, my first thought when I kind of like read the headlines of, you know, basically he was talking about how his leg was bothering him in the race. My initial take was to kind of roll my eyes and be like, oh, God, you know, all right, he had a bad day out there. Now we're hearing about his leg was hurting him. And I thought maybe he was making excuses. When I went through and read the article and kind of read some of his quotes, I must say it was... um, a little humanizing to hear him not lash out at the reporters, but like, yeah, give like really short and frustrated answers um, to, to be clearly he was upset with how the race went. He was upset that, uh, you know, he felt like he needed to, he, he couldn't put himself in a position to win. Um, and then he went out to talk about, he's like, you know, but I'm not going to quit if, if I'm having a bad day out there, I'm not going to, just uh pull up and and call it a day. He's like, I take pride in in getting out there and finishing this race. And so, the more I read through the quotes, I felt like I left reading that article feeling better about Kipchoge than I did when I started it. Like I I thought I was gonna finish that article and and be annoyed and roll my eyes. And I just want to read this this final quote. I thought this was this is like uh he went from being like testy and short to to finish it off with some like you know classic uh kipchoge wisdom he says yesterday is a canceled check today is cash tomorrow is a promissory note 
Forget about the canceled tax checks. Talk about the cash and the promissory notes. Forget about the canceled checks, Steve. Forget about it. Rip it up. I, I love that. And and he's speaking to you right now from your half marathon yesterday. Yeah, that's, Forget about the canceled checks. It's a good point. And I don't. And so I I have a like a, a you know a a a few Kenyan friends, um, guys I used to run with. And there's something about the Kenyan culture that absolutes they they love these sayings or these like um. I don't, they're not analogies. They're here. I'm sorry like, um, for the word here. What are they? They're, uh, um, you know what I'm saying? What, what, what's I, the word I I'm searching for? Saying. I don't know what the word you search for is, but I know what you're saying. It's like, uh, okay. Uh, it's not to my, anyways, Ken, I, I feel like Kenyans are great storytellers and they love these little like sayings. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, it's it's very much like a southern thing too, where you know you hear these like you know these these crazy sayings, but it's a little bit more philosophical. It's like a very they're always like philosophical sayings. It's you know, um, and so I, I read that and I was like, man, that's a very Kenyan way to kind of put put what's going on. Um, Mike, I I kind of ha- I don't know. I like what you said, and I want to be. I want to be like, you know, like this, these types of interviews humanize the guy that, you know, is seen as like a, a, a almost like a robot at times. But, man, I kind of had a little different reaction. I kind of had, had this feeling like the goat's bigger than that. And, you know, I mean, he he took a day like he didn't see the media right away. He saw the media the next day. So he kind of had a day to kind of like cool off and get in the right headspace. I want to see this transcendent figure. You know, I don't know if I want to see him testy. I want to see him testy on the course. I want to see him. I want to see him feisty in competition. But I don't know if I want him like getting angry at the media. And you know what, Kipchoge? Yeah, I understand your leg hurt at mile eighteen. But guess what? It's a marathon. Your leg is supposed to hurt at mile eighteen. I that that's just that's that's the sport. So I don't know. I'm yeah. I kind of go back and forth on it. I don't know how I feel. But so I. When you hearing you say that, there's two counter, two points I have that kind of contradict each other. But if Tom Brady goes out there and has a bad game and loses, he would never, ever say, "Well, well, you know, my shoulders bothering me," or so that that's a never. point against Kipchoge. Never, that's a, definitely a point against Kipchoge. However, we've seen. Tom Brady, and I mean, nobody takes a loss harder than that guy. Be in a press conference after a big loss and, uh, you know, get be frustrated and and uh, be down on himself and and be short. So, I don't but know. here's a, here's a difference, Mike. When we see that he he stepped off the football field, you know, 30, 40 minutes before that. Sure. And if if Kipchoge, if this was like the day of the race or even like, you know, even like a couple hours after the race, I I I would give him like a pass. But this is a couple days after the fact, you know, and and if you're making the comparison to to a guy like Tom Brady and you're right, we're not making like Tom Brady made a point of like never pointing to like aches, pains, injuries. You know, he 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 didn't want you to know if he was feeling pain because he didn't want he saw that as a sign of of uh, vulnerability in his position on the field. So he never did that. But, you know, I don't think given stepping away from the game for a couple days, 
Tom Brady was always like, you know, like a very much like I know it's a Bill Belichick saying, but a very much like we're on to Cincinnati type right. type mindset. It's true. You know, it's true. So. Anyways, I'm sure I'm sure our, our 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 listeners from around the country want to puke every time we start comparing Kipchoge to yeah, well, uh, to Tom Brady, but it is what it is. I'm sorry. What do you want from me, Steve? What do you want from me? Okay. Now, what do you think? Now, what do you think we're doing here? <laughs> now, Mike, uh, you know, since we 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 are a a gambling podcast at times, what are the odds that we see Elliot Kipchoge in the 2024 Boston Marathon? I it's a great question oh, man i feel like i'm torn on this because because even did comment i think somebody asked him a question about like you know was it was it the hills or something in boston he brushed it off he's like you know no <laughs> like I'm, I'm i'm equipped and i'm ready to to run on all conditions type of thing you know i train for for all types of conditions um I hope I hope the answer is yeah. Like I hope the odds are great because I feel like again, I want to out my vision of Kipchoge, I want him to be this guy who like wants redemption, who, you know, wants to be able to check that off. But it took so long for him to get here that I don't know. I think you have to have Mike, I'll I'll say this to have higher odds than I'd like to see. So I'll say this. If Kipchoge is is in the 2024 uh, Boston Marathon, it will tell me everything I need to know about the guy. And he could finish in 50th place next year. It doesn't matter to me. If he's the type of guy that is just so bothered by this and he mm-hmm. is willing to give up the next year of his life to be at Boston in 2024 because he's so disappointed by what happened out here this year, then... That's my guy. If he's if it's check the box and hey, I'm on to Chicago or I'm on to I'm on to New York. I did Boston. I don't like that course. I didn't have great success there. I'm gonna go find something I have a, might have a little bit better of a chance at. Then that will tell me everything I need to know about the guy. Like if he is if he is just if he's stewing and all he can think about is what happened at Boston, then that's my guy. You know, I, I think mean? that's I think that's the only way he comes back, right? Is because yeah. he it took him long to get here. He doesn't really want to go run that course. He's, he knows he's not going to run fast times on that course, and I think he does want to, like you said, check off the other majors. Um, so I think that's the only way he comes back is if it like really is bothering him and he feels like he needs redemption. And so if that's the case. If Kipchoge ever shows up back to Boston, I will guarantee a win. Because I think he only comes back is if he has like the complete fire in his belly and is determined to to go win that race. So I, I you hear it right now. The second he shows up on that line, I'm guaranteeing a win. I love it. I love it. If he's back, I'm betting on him because we will have gambling on the Boston Marathon sure. next year. So um all right, so I got a couple other things I need to clean up from uh, from from Boston Marathon here. The first, I, I got a couple, uh, um, you know, running related topics, like performance related topics that I want to get into. But I want to say this, Mike, and this is, and I hope you feel the same way that I do. But it's something that it always pops up, 
you know, before the boss marathon, after the boss marathon. But for some reason, it was especially prevalent this year. And it irks the crap out of me every single time. And when people post stuff on Instagram, you saw this from pro runners, you saw this from non runners, you saw this from everybody, a lot of people from out of town posting things on the Instagram stories. And you can even post like music with your with your pictures on Instagram now. So you saw that a lot. To everybody from outside of New England, you know, outside of the the greater Boston area, please stop doing this. It is not a Boston anthem. It is tolerated by Bostonians. It is for people outside of Boston. It is not for people in Boston. Sweet Caroline is not a Boston anthem. See, I agree, but here, here is where I find myself conflicted is because we we have gotten like tired of Sweet Caroline, but in its heyday, Sweet Caroline was a Boston anthem and it was this huge deal. But and they ruined it. They ruined it. I know. I know, but I get frustrated the other end of it because you see it happening all over the place now and in other baseball stadiums and other sports stadiums. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that, you know, where it originated and, and it's the origin of Sweet Caroline. So I, I get frustrated when people don't give us the credit we deserve for it. But at the same time, yes, it's like of all the Boston songs, like uh, true Red Sox fans at this point – hear Sweet Caroline, and they roll their eyes, right? It's like, and, oh, my and, God. And I, like... I want to clarify my stance on this song, right? Say it's a it's a beautiful Saturday afternoon in the middle of the summer, and we're going into the eighth inning, and the Red Sox got a five-run lead, and we're beating up on somebody, and I got a beer in hand, and it's 85 degrees out. By all means, I'm standing up, and I'm belting out Sweet Caroline with – all of the pink hats and all the out of towners because I'm having a good time and we're going to sing that. But there's literally nothing worse in the world. It makes me want to, to yell at everybody that is singing when the Red Sox are down in the eighth inning and, and everybody's sweet Caroline. And they got the Instagram stories out and you're like, I'm in Boston, I'm at Fenway Park. You know, it's, you know it, there's no worse feeling in the world. And listen, at the end of every show, at the end of every show, you know, Mike hit me with the Josie. We play, we play Your Love by the Outfield, right? And the Patriots did it right. The Patriots made Your Love by the Outfield like their rally song. And they only played it in important situations where the Patriots were up late in the game. And the Red Sox had the opportunity to do that. But instead, they ruined it. They absolutely ruined a great tradition by absolutely beating it into the ground. And most Bostonians cannot stand it. So I don't want to spend, I don't want to spend too much time slandering this song, slandering this tradition. But I'm just letting people from out of town know that it is not a Boston anthem. And what I do want to do is I want to spend just a couple seconds I didn't even make a list. I'm doing this off the top of my head. Other songs that are more of Boston anthems. And can we just start with what is actually the Red Sox anthem? What is actually the Red Sox anthem? For all of you out-of-towners, this is actually the Red Sox anthem. Mike, what is it? Dirty Water. Dirty Water by the Standells. Okay? That is the Boston 
Red Sox anthem. So when you post a picture in front of Fenway Park, you post a picture running by Fenway Park, and you want to say, hey, I'm in Boston. I want to put some music to it. Go ahead, put that song. Okay. I mean, you know, there, there, I'm trying to think of some other songs. You know, uh, Your Tessie. Love has, has, is, a more, is probably the more recent one. And you know what? Tessie kind of bothers me, but I will take it over Sweet Caroline. I will absolutely take Tessie over Sweet Caroline. Um, you could do, uh, you could do Zombie. I, I mean, it's a little sensitive right now, but you can do Zombie Nation. That's the, that's the Bruins. Um, you could do, uh, you could do Shipping Up to Boston. That's another one. You could do, um, uh, what's, what's, uh, what is, what's Turner's walk-up song right now? What song is that? That's, uh, uh I'll take, uh, I'll take that. I, I think uh, I'll go. I think I'll, go. I'll take that over Sweet Caroline. <laughs> I'll take, um, uh, 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 give me the cheers anthem, the cheers anthem where everybody knows oh. your name. See, these are some other options. Okay. People let's move away from the Sweet Caroline posts. Okay. I, I, I just, I do want to make it very clear that I do think that Sweet Caroline has its time and it has its place. And I I do have a, a, an affinity for Sweet Caroline in when it's when it's used properly. It's just your frustration is coming from the overkill and for what it has what it has become and what it now represents, right? It's 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 the opposite of what Fenway Park is. It's it's not about the you're not going to the Red Sox game to have a, you know, have a good time. Like you said, post your Instagram photos. Red Sox fans are going to to go to war, right? You're going, you're, you're, and, you're but, but Mike, Mike, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. When, when you're up big late in the game and it's a beautiful day at Fenway Park, that's the time for the party. That's the time for nobody yep. to even watch the game and in the, let the beers flow and party. And, you know, in, 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 I love that. Do the wave. Like do the wave. If we're down in a game and you're doing the wave, I want to lose my shit. But if we're <laughs> up big, if you're up to big, do the wave. Have your party. Sing your songs. And you know what, Mike? It's more special that way, right? You earned the Red Sox. You as a Red Sox fan, you earned that party. Okay, you don't get to have it every game. You don't get to have it. You know, one sixty. I mean, eighty-one games at Fenway. You don't get to have that eighty-one times. You get to have it. 10 times you get to have it 15 times during the season you don't get it every night that's not that's not you know it, it has to be rare you know what the other situation i like it into though is anytime you're losing forget about it but playoff game the the stadium is buzzing maybe we got like a one-run lead everyone's kind of on the edge of their seats everyone's laser focused on the game sweet caroline comes around and it kind of feels like it breaks the tension for a little bit, and then, but the then crowd, it, it, that that's Josie. Horrible. And then that's the best Josie. part, yeah, yeah. The best part is is when the you know because the stadium is buzzing so much, it go the they shut the music off and the crowd's still going. The guys in the batter's box maybe has to call a timeout and step outside the batter's box because the the Fenway faithful is still going everyone's fired up like that is the perfect sweet caroline to me but you're right that takes the josie role that was uh that was the uh 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 shane victorino three little birds right yeah you yes, know and that and yes. that and that and that world series run right it, it would be the most tense part of the game and you know people would keep singing the song after the music already cut off and he would step out of the bowers box and let everybody sing it now that would be a uh that would that's uh, true. That's be a penalty. <laughs> That'd be a, yeah, a, 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 a pitch clock penalty. But uh, um, 
but yeah, no, you're right. Like, so, yes, I if you use it strategically, then uh, by all means. But the the Red Sox management or ownership or whatever doesn't know how to do anything strategically. It's a money machine, and they just hammer everything in the ground and make it not cool anymore. So, anyways, I needed to send that message to our listeners that may be coming to Boston in the future. So, just needed to say that. Needed to get get that one off my chest. And keeping on the uh, the theme of here, Boston Marathon and other Boston sports, Mike, did you see that Zdeno Chara ran the Boston Marathon? I did see that. Did you did, see did. what his time was? I know it was slow. I'm going to guess it was somewhere in the six-hour range. Mike. <laughs> Mike. Mike, 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 are you fucking with me right now? Did you see? No. This might be <laughs> the greatest athletic accomplishment of the 2023 Boston Marathon. Zidane Ochara, 6'7", six, 6 feet tall, 7 inches, 6 feet 7 inches tall, uh, retired NHL player, ran a 338 Boston Marathon. 338? All two hundred and fifty. I oh, I think he's. You know. I think he's like. I think he's like two hundred sixty, two hundred seventy pounds. Like he is a monster of a human human being. He ran a three thirty eight. I think I was thinking Brock Holt. Didn't Brock Holt run like a six seven hour marathon something? Well, we're gonna slow. get it. We're gonna get into that. Yeah. We're gonna get into. But still, Zadina three thirty eight is flying for the big boy. Very impressive. I, I think that guy just probably just does not feel pain. Like he just. Well, I think it pain, just pain is an afterthought for him. I think it just it speaks to like how much of a freak athlete he actually yeah. is. You know what I mean? You don't see that guys guys that big, um, as like skilled, um, at hockey as he was. I mean, there's a reason you don't see big lanky guys playing hockey. It's usually short stocky guys, and even the defensemen have a little bit more of like. A base to him right but he was a he was very skilled with the stick and um he you know is pr- fair you know relatively graceful out there on the ice for his size but you know i think it, you you see him you know it, as he's one of the greatest defensemen of all time one of the greatest bruins of all time and then he just comes out to the boston marathon a year later and busts out a 338 he's just a freak athlete I wonder so, what his like training regiment was like. I mean, he must have been busting ass. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, very blown away by it when I saw it. Yeah, three thirty eight is incredible. Um, and since you brought him up, uh, we'll list off some of the other uh, uh, pro former pro Boston athletes that ran this year. Uh, Brock Holt ran a five forty six. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Z absolutely. I mean, I mean, if yeah, if you gave me odds going into it, Brock Holt versus Dana Chara, I would have taken Brock Holt any right? day of the week. Yeah, I mean, a, a smaller, compact guy looks like he could, you know, travel the course of twenty six point two miles. Um, but <laughs> I guess that just speaks to the uh to the engine of a baseball player versus a hockey player, right? <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um. Uh, beating Brock Holt, uh, but you know, not even close to uh, to Zidane Ochara. Being by Brock Holt by a little over an hour, losing to Z by a little over an hour. We got Ryan Dempster with a four forty two. Ryan Dempster, all right, respectable though. <laughs> yeah, 
uh, uh, Doug Flutie ran a five twenty eight. Um, Doug has he, run, is, has he run it before? I think so. I'm not. I I tried. I tried to look it up. I couldn't find it. But he's like he's sixty years old. So um, that's yeah, pretty good. Sixty. Um, so. but he still managed to be Brock Holt. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the best comparison, and when, you know, a couple years ago, I think it was 2019, um, Teddy Bruschi ran a 435, um, like, very respectable for a former uh, NFL linebacker, middle linebacker, 435, but Zidane Ochara still beat him by just a a little less than an hour. I mean, size-wise, you know, they, at their, at their peak, you know, Teddy Bruschi slimmed down quite a bit, but he was probably over two. He was probably right around 250, like at his peak, maybe a little less, but a, a, a big guy nonetheless. Um, I thought that that was the best comp. But just to put into perspective, like how impressive a a 338 for Zidane Ochara. So I wish we uh, we missed the boat on that. I wish we uh, had made like lines or picked who you know the order in which we thought the the boston yeah. athletes did that would have been that would have been a fun game there but, but i that, guarantee that, neither of us would have had zadano not a i chance. don't know man yeah i don't know yeah but it, it, it's one of those things where you never like there's always like a few pro athletes or former pro athletes that come out you know, you find out about it the week before the marathon. So it's kind of, I yeah, it's something, if something we could stay up with next year, it'd be kind of cool to follow along with that. But yeah, man, I was, uh, I was shocked. I was like, this is one of the stories of the marathon and nobody's talking about it. Um, so I, I wanted to, to throw that out there. Um, let's see what else do I have? Oh, uh, um, Desi's uh, celebration when she crossed the finish line. I don't know if you saw it, but she was like pumping up the crowd. She like took her singling off. She was whipping it around her head, just like taking in the moment. And I love it because, and we've talked about this so much time, so many times, but it was like never more evident than it was after the race this year. She's just like embracing the city soaking it in like she's made boston like her second home she's just like after she won she's just like you know it's like in boston loves her like the the running community in boston absolutely adores desi and it's like i'm not putting them on the same level but it's similar to the way that big poppy has like adopted boston as like his as his second home um so I just think it's I just think it's pretty cool every year getting her getting to to watch her run the Boston Marathon and see just see those moments where she kind of you know reacts that way and and embraces the city. Yeah, I I think the the Boston Marathon is unique in that way that it it uh, uh you know adopts people like that and especially does you know an American taking the championship it's she'll forever like you said be a a Boston legend. Um, I I didn't see her celebration, but in the way you describe it, it makes it sound like it was a little bit bigger of a finish line celebration than usual. Is yeah. What what's the um? Let me see if I can find the, the read. What what's the read on it? Was it to the point where like maybe this was the last one? She knows it's the last one, or no? It wasn't it was emotional. Just... It was jacked no, okay. up. It was right. it was it was pumped up. It was. It wasn't like a goodbye, Boston. It was just like I'm happy to be here, and I love this. Okay. So 
All right. Um, so you got Desi there. What else do I got here for the people? Um, I think that is everything I got. I mean, that's kind of, you know, it was a heck of a, a Boston Marathon this year. I, I, I think that's all I got. Okay. I think we Other than the fact that we have the fifth place finisher. We do. On uh, on today's episode, we got Zoo here, Talbi, uh, sorry, uh, on the on the podcast. So we'll get into that interview in a little bit. Um, and I'll just say, we have both been big fans of him for a while, and I think we kind of got on the Zoo here train where it was a uh, it was a couple years ago. We he was he was running the um, the sound running ten k, and he came out of nowhere one got an Olympic qualifying time, beat Joe Klecker, a uh, bunch of names um, in, in that. Uh, I think Hillary Bohr was in that race. Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of came out of nowhere, PR'd by over a minute to win that race. And I think there was a story where he doubled back like a couple days later to run his conf- to win his conference meet or something like that. And we were just like, we love this guy. So we've been kind of following him along for the past couple of years. And you see him in the field and it was like, is that is that the Talby? And we looked him up, sure enough. Um, and he finishes fifth, uh, beating Kipchoge down Boylston. So that's right. Um, I'm excited to talk to him in a little bit. Um, Mike, you got any, any final wrap up from Boston marathon? I think between, uh, the last show and this one, I think we, we hit all the bases. Um, so, you know, before we get into our interview and we get into the end of the episode, I do want to talk a little London marathon and Safan Hassan is bumping up to, or did bump up to the marathon to win the London marathon. Um, and did you, did you watch the, did you see any of the pre-race interview with Safan Hassan? Can't say that I did. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm already having nervous almost for one month and uh, I'm just scared of marathon and uh, I don't know whether I finish or not and yeah every question come to my mind and yeah I'm already nervous also at the same time I'm very curious too and I did yeah, yeah everything in my mind and uh, I think they're gonna be better in the next marathon it is that is that the most relatable thing from one of these superstars yeah. ever just saying I am I'm nervous I'm scared of the marathon it is in the context of a pre-race interview. However, the not relatable part is to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm nervous. I don't know if I'll finish. Uh, we'll just go out there and see how it goes. And then to win the London Marathon and your you know, your debut marathon to, to go that way, that makes it a little less relatable. But yes, in that moment... To just be like, yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm getting myself into right now. That, that is quite relatable. And and so she won. Um, and she did it while she apparently she stopped twice. I haven't watched the whole marathon. I've only like watched clips of it, but she just like stopped to walk twice and she still won. I mean, she she has so much to grow in the marathon. I mean, she is I mean, before she she jumped up to the marathon, she was already arguably one of the greatest women's uh, distance runners of all time. But she's definitely now on a pace. If she's going to just take the marathon by storm and just destroy like every race she runs and destroy all the records of the marathon, she is the greatest women's 
distance runner of all time. There's just and, no question about it. And you can tell, like, based on that interview and having stopped, she like she has a lot to learn about running a marathon, right? Like she just kind of went out there and and winged it, and seems like maybe her strategy wasn't fully polished, and uh, but still is able to go out there and win it. So it's like, well, imagine what happens when she has experience under her belt and she has a more polished strategy going in and she's able to kind of, you know, prepare a little bit more for a marathon, what she, what she could be capable of. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Safan Hassan is, uh, is on to the marathon and she's taking it by storm. And I agree with everything you said there. Uh, last note on London, uh, Mo Farah's last marathon ever, or he announces it, it will be, it was his last marathon ever. Uh, very respectable 210 for Sir Mo. Says his last professional race will be the Great North Run coming up. Uh, I don't, I actually don't know when that is, but um, that will be his last professional race. So, uh, eh, Steve, I've, I've retired from the marathon before. I'll believe yeah. it when I see it, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I I guess you're right. Um but big news, big news from uh from one of the uh one of the greats of the of the you know recent history of the sport. Um but that's everything I got from uh from London. Um so Mike, why don't we we got a little bit to get into after our interview, but I don't think we should waste any more time. Let's get into our interview with the Moroccan marathoner, now marathoner, brand new marathoner since the Boston Marathon. Zoo here, Talbi. You, so you mentioned you're you're doing a podcast. Can you tell us about your podcast. Who are you doing it with, and what's it about? It's all about running, and uh, it's with a friend. Uh, I mean, he uh, he has a channel in. Um, in YouTube, like he has like more than 35,000 followers and what he's doing is just more like uh, going some old races and just, you know, analyzing the, like some of good runners and he, and it's the only channel like in, in Morocco that I know. So then I, I was like, man, uh, I always wanted to like, just share, you know, just that mindset of sharing information, you know, just the other people that starting running now is more about running. You know, here in America, there's dozens of, of, of podcasts, you know, or around the world. But in, for example, in Morocco, there's none. So I was like, let's us be the first one. And so we we did one, one uh, episode and I was just talking about my experience in um uh, in Boston Marathon, like uh, I, New York half marathon before, and uh, like where I where I grew up, uh, and all my like coming to the United States for school and all that, and yeah, so a lot of people like it now. <laughs> the video is like two thousand views in six days, so and it's like one video in the whole channel. So I was like, that's. That's you know when you see some numbers you like get uh you know excited to, <laughs> yeah. to do more. What's um what's what's the uh the fandom in Morocco like around the sport? Like are pe do people in Morocco follow the sport or is it still like 
something that's growing a little bit? Like what's what 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 are are, are do people know who you are and what you're doing in Morocco? So let's say the general population, they're following soccer. Like most people follow soccer. But of course, because uh, Morocco had a lot of success in like middle distance, like Hisham El Garouj, Saeed Aweta, all those Olympic champions in the past. So a lot of people now is running now. But uh, honestly, we're targeting more like specific people that practice in running. I don't think like someone is not interested in running will, you know, listen to the podcast, but never know. You know, you just you just want to help people that start running or in the in the sport, you know, that's more our target. But when uh when like the um, I I qualified for the Olympic Games uh, in 2021 I think, yeah, I read like a lot of people, they're not in running and they can, you know, some people send text or I see comments. Yeah, like a lot of people that not running, you know, can you have to be, I don't know, you have to like run something big like the World Championship or the Olympic Games. That's where uh, not just running media will post about you more like local media everyone you know will post about you and that's how other people will know about you but right now uh i know when i finished fifth in boston a lot of media talked about it but uh i don't know <laughs> i won't say i'm famous but uh or even i would say sofian el kali it's like the 3000 steeplechase uh world champion and olympic he's more famous like everyone talking about him so you gotta be in that level otherwise you're not gonna be that that known if that makes sense sure. yeah i mean that kind of goes into what i was gonna ask you is you know what has changed for you since since uh finishing fifth at boston and you know what kind of doors have that opened or has it not changed anything at all is it kind of just business as usual well, actually, it changes a lot, you know? It's uh, when you're like, no one knows about you. You believe in yourself and you just pull work, you know, like week after week, week after week. So you're like building something. But uh, at the end of the day, you have to test that, you know? So I've been like running a hundred plus mile, you know, every week. And for a long time, and it was like, I want to run marathon. I want to, you know, so I was training. So all my results, like, I wasn't surprised. You have to do it to believe in it. But I wasn't surprised that I run, for example, my PR in the half marathon in, in Houston. I ran 61, uh, 61.08. And I was shooting for 60 at that time because I know that, I've been training hard. So I was just building to the marathon. So the idea is like, hey, I want to run the marathon. Like I didn't know Boston. So I was just training from, I would say August, like October or something. Yeah. From October, I was like building for marathon. So I was, uh, I was, I believed in myself. I was training every, the preparation went well, but you have to do something 
big that can motivate you more. So, but all those milestones like uh, Boston, um, Houston PR, like I run in New York, I finished third. That's like encourage you more. But when I finish fifth in Boston, that's like, hey, uh, everything I did was right. And that motivated me more to be like, yes, what I'm doing, what I did in the past, like it's working. I just need to keep doing what I was doing and keep the same mindset or the goals. Like, hey, let's just put another goal and let's work for it. And, you know, I won't say maybe this time I will say it's going to work. You know, like you get you get more confident than before because when I was training for marathon, I was like, maybe I'm just good for the half, you know, I'm, maybe my body won't react very well for the marathon. You never know. So you get those ideas and it's your debut. You don't know what to expect, but when you do it and you finish in that time, even like it's a heli course, I had cramps in my hamstring, like, that bothered me, that slowed me down a letter. I have the side stitch. So I was like fighting the whole race. So I I didn't have like a, a smooth uh, or good pace from the beginning to now, oh, this is like my, uh, like my real time or this is the real position. I don't know. But what I want to say is like the fifth place, that's like I didn't expect that and when I did it that motivated me more but with this I keep the same goals the same mindset hey I still need to work I still need but also it opens more doors like because now it might be more easier to get to big races you know yeah. um, around the world so that's gonna be like uh, an op- you know opportunities for future um if I just train and I'm fit, I'm, I might enter like big race again and try to like, um, you know, uh, yeah, just put yourself in a position to win at this point. I'm not going to like, uh, well, I, <laughs> I think it, yeah, it, it, Olympic qualifying time is putting yourself in a position for a pretty big race. So uh, I'd say I'd say all that all that preparation worked. And I mean, you know, just kind of give people a, a little bit of a background like, you know, you you've had a lot of success on the track and in college and even just kind of in your brief time on the track after college. But you moved from the track to the roads really quickly. Like you said, you did one half marathon and then you debuted in Boston with uh, a massive 205 fifth place, you know, all these, you know, just kind of, you know, big moments uh out there on the on the course in Boston and really kind of solidifying yourself not as just having a, a a a great marathon time but you put yourself in a position where you're considered in the conversation among all the great marathoners right now competing in for for all of the big races coming up and so like that's huge to go from you know kind of the track to your debut marathon and and have that kind of success right away what was it that made you want to jump to the marathon so quickly? Because I feel like the traditional route is you kind of build up to that and then you kind of come to the marathon a little bit later in your career. What was it about that distance that made you want to jump immediately into that? So there is a lot of factors for me. So 
first of all, uh, I did want to run the marathon like a few years ago. Like I loved how marathon runners train like all uh, like it's more it's there's nothing really really fast it's more like volume a lot i enjoyed that training i i tried it before i know oh i like that maybe you know it's 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 good i like i like that lifestyle second it's when you're running a 10k for example there is very limited opportunities you know to uh, be great in that distance. You so you have to wait for the world championship or the Olympics. So you have to to like go down in distance the five k. So I was like in a. I I had success in ten k, but most uh, good ten k runners they they run half marathon. They run you know some some of them run marathon and just come back to the ten k. So. And because I wanted to do marathon a few years before I was building my mileage. So I made sure I was doing more volume than, uh, you know, just a normal college runners. I was trying to like double, even I was in school, like I was trying to like build my, myself to run marathon. And when I finish uh, school, I went immediately and I started building more mileage. So it was, Boston, it was like seven months before I was, you know, I was like building my mileage to the marathon. But a few years before it helps me because I was doing 10K, which is closer to the marathon. If it's 1500 and you want to switch the marathon, it's going to be very difficult. You need years, but it was easier for me so like just go from 10k uh to the to the marathon and i haven't changed a lot i changed like the long runs so i was doing more long runs and uh like a lot of workout in the marathon i do them in the 10k like to be fit in the 10k you have to do like certain workout and they feel like even the marathon runners do this similar so I haven't changed the, a lot of workout. It's more like just long runs. Just be used to like the volume and uh, more long runs. Why did you choose Boston as your first marathon? Was I was singer. I was lucky. <laughs> so I <laughs> you wanted. To I was talking with my Asian, and there was like, I was like, okay, anyone will say, oh, no way. Well, you know, you will like get you in the, the pro field because you have no time in the marathon. But with my agent, I was like, can we build like a story? I run the 5K last year and they finished third. I went for the 10K, I finished sixth. And they came to the half marathon, I finished third. I've been running there all the time. Can you tell them like, uh, he been there for a while. He won't, He was doing the, this races and now he's fit to run marathon. Can you, like, I was pushing for that and. Honestly, they did, you know, they give me that opportunity. They were like, okay, we will give you that opportunity. And I knew it like a few months before. So I, uh, for me, before it was just a test. I want to just see if they can, you know, get me in the race. And when they gave me, I was like, yeah, let's me just train for it as, as much as I can, like uh, get ready. Yeah. 
That's interesting. You never hear that side of it that much. That that's pretty cool yeah. to to have your agent go out there and fight for you to get in the pro field. Yeah, just I mean a request, like just request that I will be in the field because in my bio, you know, you don't have marathon time. And in Boston, for example, I am pretty sure everyone around the world wanna run, you know, Boston. So I feel like uh I'm lucky to be honestly in the in the in the field and they didn't regret that you know <laughs> yeah I, 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 I imagine yeah so th there are very few people in the history of the world who can say that they beat kipchoge in a marathon How, and now we don't we're not we're not we're not throwing any shade on on the greatest <laughs> of all time i just want to say that but mike you continue with your question I, I, I don't know listen you beat the world record holder uh can you start claiming no but you know at least in a joking way, you go around telling so, everybody like, hey, I, listen, I beat the greatest to ever do it. Yeah, in a, in a joking way, you know, with your friends. Yeah, you yeah. can, uh, <laughs> um, you know, you can brag in a joking way, but not you, you, in, you know that there's no way you're close to his level or what he achieved. He's a goat, you know, like he did a lot of things that I, you know, I didn't do like 5% of what he did. So I won't like go and say, yeah, I bitch <laughs> you or whatever. No, it's more like uh, you just need to respect this, you know, the, you know, the, the event and it's just crazy event. You know, you, you can't say that you're going to win every single race, you know, that's for me. I think that gives more opportunity to other people you know like i uh, as a runner you, you know i'm i'm racing you don't want to like uh, everyone talking about one and they forget about like all you know the runners in the field so you want to like just uh, you know give some hey it's marathon or it's a hard course it might not win you know which happened i think a lot of people guess that he might not win because it's not a flat course. And uh, yeah, so uh, you might be good in uh, certain, you know, courses and some courses you might, uh, you know, not respond. You're not res going to respond uh, as well as it's if it's flat. And I see that in training. Most people, they don't know that, but in training, I know some people you're so fast in the flat workout like flat and when we go in a heli course deer don't respond very well like they don't finish the workout so they don't they don't finish as well in 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 the workouts it's not about like i don't know it's just some people they don't respond in a heli course and i feel like he kipchoge never had like an experience before in a heli course to like compare, you know, like, yeah. And the way he took the race was like, he was leading the whole time and, you know, like, uh, uh going hard in the hills, you know, I think that might affected him. I don't know. I'm just saying well, that. Do you think, do you think, I mean, it's, it's obvious that you have the ability to kind of, uh, switch distances 
and kind of go up and down a little bit more so maybe more so than than, than most people um but would you say hills and kind of like a a ch more challenging course are to your advantage do you think you're you know you you do better on hills i mean it, it it's interesting you know i think it, from what i know about a place like morocco it's got a very like diverse kind of um uh landscape you got you got you get the you know it's it's near the ocean but at the same time you got mountains do you think like you do well on the hills and 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 is that something that you you try to make a, a strength of yours i think yeah i think i do well in the hills and uh cuz i i did a lot of races before like in hilly courses and i finished well and i beat some good runners like i'm i'm talking 5 6 years ago i did some uh, uh like hilly course uh type race and I uh I finish in a good position and they know that I respond well in the hills, but you can't guess that in a marathon, you know? It's it's yeah. marathon is a distance plus uh hilly course. So you, you don't know. So if it's like yeah. a ten K and it's hilly, you might say, Yeah, I might uh, I got that. But in a marathon you you have you have to put in, in your mind how to split your energy through the marathon, then how to run the hills and I think when those both factors comes together you might need to like I respect that race, you know, like <laughs> not to uh for me in my race I try to not follow the surges in the hills, you know, like because just in my experience in training and in races you wanna be uh careful, you know, like Yeah. I'm trying to remember back to the race. Did you when you hit the hills in um in Newton on, on the Boston course, you fell back a little bit, right? And you kind of surged toward the end. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So that was all strategy. No, actually these okay, the the last downhill before bef before uh, the, the last downhill before the the hill starts, uh they went so fast like I was I was looking to my watch and I was like that's a 420 pace and I'm I was falling I think 420 I was falling in that downhill so pretty sure you went faster than that in that downhill so it's just for me was it was very fast and I don't want to like surge hard to like get to them and they know that I I I was expecting that I was expecting at some point in the race they're gonna start like uh, putting big surges and I will just try to find the second pack or uh, anyone that fall I can just try to work my way with with them so uh, at that point when they went fast I know that I shouldn't I should now start thinking how how to finish the race without like you know uh, burning out myself yeah makes sense um Go ahead, Mike. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, yes, yeah, so I, I was gonna ask. You know, so when you were in college, you ran in the um, NAIA. And, yes. You know, you're. I think it was what twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, and you know, you won cross country. You won in one meet the fifteen, the five k, and the ten k. So you know, you you did pretty well for yourself. And I I just wonder, like, what. What did running there do for you? you? know, did it was it um do you think that 
you gained confidence through running in the NAIA where, you know, you, you learned how to win and you learned how to, to beat people and, and um, you know, and what did that do for you going on to like this portion of your career? Um, so to answer your question, I would love to be like in very competitive, like division, like in CAA division one, but it was not the case. I, for me, as you know, like I wasn't eligible to be in like division one. And I, I was in a moment uh, of like a summer where I have to do a decision very quickly because I have nowhere to stay at that point. Do I need to go to Morocco? I graduated from junior college and cause I went like a year, a year, then, you know, that's when COVID starts and we finished the, I finished my, my last semester, uh, just online because of the COVID and, um, uh, but at that point, I was like, I need, I need like a school, uh, like that when I went through the process again, and I, I find out I have to be like in an in EIA to finish my, uh, bachelor degree. That's, that was my primary goal. Like I was, Hey, I, I came, I came for school first because I was running in Morocco and if I just want to run like, and just try to make it, I would just, but I was, I had two goals. Like I was like, I want to finish. So when I, I, uh, find out that I have to be just in NIA, I was there and I was trying to make the best of it, you know, like trying to make every opportunity works for me, you know, like, uh, like every race, like I tried to learn something f- from it, you know, I, of course, it, it was, you know, it was a lot of competitive guys. Like, it was a guy in my team, um, Shimales. He was, it was very competitive. So, we were training together in, a, and uh, even in a race. Like, so, um, for me, it was the whole uh, college. I know that it's going to come to an end, you know? So, you need to make sure you take the system uh in your side you know like you don't pay for rent you don't pay for a lot of things you know you're in school it's like that comfort zone you need to make advantage of that to like get more fitness so when time comes when you're not in college you can be uh in an in a different in a next level where you you can be more competitive so i was trying the first my first conversation with coaches in uh, in my school was hey i'm gonna train i'm gonna do all the races you ask me for but i also want like high competitive like races like a pro race that you can take care of it just take me there you know like sign me in like do all that and i just put me in the start line until you know i want to like have a couple in during the the year so so when i know how so i i run like i go to national championship uh in eia national championship but at the same time i know uh, that's just you know on one step and they still have the second step so probably most runners in the division they have the goal just to be in the podium, you know, in the NIA championship. But for me, it was like, hey, I, I, you know, 
gonna be competitive here, but also I want to like keep, uh, you know, racing and improving my time. So, so it's just a schedule thing. So that's the first conversation I have with my coaches, and we uh, make sure we have a good schedule that gonna, you know, please the school, and at the same time make sure I'm progressing throughout the. The, the my time in 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 the college and that was uh that was never more evident than the uh a couple years ago i think it was a race that kind of put you on a lot of people's radar was the the sound running meet where you ran low 27 won the race beat a lot of pros and um you, in that race for for a lot of people you were kind of like a relatively unknown and then was it a a couple days later you ran in the conference meet was it just like a, was it just like two or three days later, something like that? That was in that was in, a, that was in a, not the sounds run uh, sound running meet because for me, I, even was there, in, what's, in, what, what, what's the race I'm thinking of where you ran like just like a couple days apart? I think it was a ten thousand ten k. No, no, no. It was in yeah, it was a ten thousand, but it was in uh, in Texas. In yeah, Austin, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah the in Texas. Austin, it's yeah. uh the one where you beat Joe Clacker, right? No, no, it's no, a different, different one. Okay. It's a different right. one because me in the outdoor, I'm I, I don't run the outdoor. I was not eligible to run the NEIA outdoor. Okay. So uh, my season finished in March. That's so right. Okay, so was, you finished indoor. second at the race. I'm thinking of right, the one in Texas. I I won. I oh, you won I, I forget. I forget. I just remember. I, I was. It was. Yes. Yes. Kind of like one of the, the first one. pro races I watched yet, and I think it was like a brutally hot night or something like that. And then they yes. told the story about how you were running the conference meet, and yes. then I was just like, "Oh, this is awesome!" Because Mike and I were we're, we're of the mindset. I mean, it are the name of this podcast is a joke on the runners that need to peak at the perfect time we're of the mindset it's like hey if there's a race going on and you put a bib on it's go time i don't care where you're at in your training it's time to compete and when i saw that it was like the epitome of what we preach where it's just like we need that mindset in the sport where it's just like you know let's let's put a number on let's race let's see who's fastest today i don't care about all this you know needing to like we said quote unquote peak needing to find that perfect time to run a race there's a race going on i want to be there yeah um so I, that race uh so i was training and they was looking for t- a 10k so at that moment there's very few 10k so i knew about that 10k like 3 weeks before and I was like, yeah, I uh, I have to do it. Like, there is no more uh, opportunities, you know. So I did it. That's when I knew I was fit. And a few months after, I ran twenty seven twenty in uh, in uh, in, in um, sound running. But at that point, like, yeah, I was I was really focused on 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 uh, what I was doing, like uh, in training and yeah. So even like. In my school, the system was very, very working uh, for me because uh, it's just the training was everything I believe in was the coach was giving us the, the similar training that I was doing. So and I was like very happy with uh, the training. And also, as I said, like it was a guy, uh, Shimales, who was very competitive. So I was doing the workout with him. 
And um, so it was very nice. I was just focused on what I'm doing, like school and just uh, after like six, six, seven months of doing the same thing over and over, just I find myself in a, in a different level, like uh, find myself fit and ready to compete. Yeah. Awesome. So, so what's next for you? You know, you just finished fifth at Boston. What's, what are you looking at next for your, your next big move? So, uh, after Boston, I took a few, uh, a few time off and start building. And at this moment, um, like talking with my agent to run some, uh, 10Ks, uh, I'm I'm gonna try to get to uh, Boston 10k, BA 10k like in end of June, and uh, see uh, see so yeah just a few a few races like 10k, uh, even like any distance less than half marathon I'm gonna try to do like a few, but the main uh, goal for me would be a world championship uh, half marathon. It's gonna be in uh, October, so um, I'm gonna do just a few few races, but the focus will be like uh, to build for the uh, half marathon, and just a few weeks later, uh, a marathon. So, a preparation for marathon, half marathon, world championship, half. So something like that. You I'm still have... like, I'm still like in the how to fit all those races into the schedule. So. There's nothing yet, but I, I think this this is the the moment where I put everything together now. You should um you should look into Falmouth Road Race this summer. Are you familiar with Falmouth? Yes, and I, uh, and I think it's a, it's an ASIC sponsored race, right? Yes, so yeah, probably it's gonna be one of the the races I will do uh okay. this summer. Yeah, awesome. And, yeah. So you so you're gonna be you're gonna be so I mean we're we're from the Boston area, so you're gonna be. You're gonna be running a couple races in New England this summer, then. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I also, uh, I also tried to get to Beach to Bacon, uh, ten k. Okay. So you're gonna it. do all the all the legendary ten uh, k seven mile races out here. Yeah. So the goal is like just to get fit and yeah, try to like win some races. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. I love that. Yeah. Oh man. Well, hey, we're gonna we, we just wanna we're gonna wrap it up here, but we want to say thank you for for coming on. Uh, Mike and I are both big fans of you. We're gonna be uh, cheering you on as you dominate the road scene here in New England throughout the summer, and then uh, and then beyond. We'll be cheering at you, cheering for you for the uh, you know the World Championship, half marathon, World Championships, and then we'll be looking at you uh, for the Olympics. Beyond that, so we are we are very excited for you. We're very excited for all the success you're having and we hope it continues. Man, thank you so much for having me and good luck, guys. Yeah, thank you. Back to you. Thanks again to our guy Zuhair for coming on the podcast. We're big fans. We're looking forward to seeing what he can do in the marathon, uh, in uh, some more big city marathons and possibly, you know, what he can do in the Olympics coming up here. Um, So, Mike, we got the to wrap up the podcast here. I think it's been a great podcast so far, by the way. Um, I want we need to dive into the Quinesha Burks, Tara Davis Woodhall drama that is going on in the women's triple jump. Now, we have said it 
before um, when we had our guy Marquise Dendy on. The jumper world is probably like one of the more exciting uh, drama filled events in the sport. And it's something that we all thought that the uh, the track and field world needed to pay more attention to. And hey, as long as these beefs start keep popping up, like we're going to be glued to it. So um, I'm going to do my best, Mike, right now to give a recap of everything that happened since we last met. So mm, Quinesha Burks. Luck. Yeah, I'm going to do my best. I got, I got, I got, see, I got a post-it note here. I got some (laughs) notes written down. Um, So Quinesha Burks, she became the world number one over Tara Davis Woodhall. Um, And she made a post about something, how she was number one and how she doesn't need all the quote unquote hype. And I think everybody knew that the quote unquote hype was geared towards uh, Tara Davis Woodhall. Now, um, People started calling her out on this. And so Quinesha Burks went one step further and she made a post on Instagram that said, I'm top two, but I'm not number two. And beneath it, she pulled posted the world uh, rankings with her above Tara Davis Woodhall. So it is if she if she was trying to be subtle and throw small jabs at it before this, she was being straightforward blunt letting you know i'm calling out tara davis woodhall with my social media post right now tara davis woodhall takes to instagram on her husband's instagram because quenisha burks has tara davis woodhall blocked on instagram so anything she sent to her or anything she posts uh, about her wouldn't get to her so she went to her husband's instagram story and tagged quenisha burks and and said something along the lines of i am i am willing to uh do a jump off one verse one we'll both put 5k on the line and i'll tell you what i will fly you out I will pay for your, your flight to do this. And uh and 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 so I mean that is pretty uh pretty hard to to just kind of just come out and say, hey, let's put money on the line and I will go one step further. I will fly you out to do this. Now, Tara Davis Woodall, she's kind of like she's become one of the darlings of the sport. Everybody loves her. Um her uh um uh her husband is a Paralympic athlete, uh Olymp uh I'm sorry. Am I saying that it's Paralympic uh, Olympic athlete? Yeah, Paralympian. Sorry. Um, and so like together, like they're like you know the golden couple of the of of the track and field world right now. She's always kind of had this very like you know kind of sweet bubbly image, but to come at Quenisha Burks like this uh, is kind of showing a different side of her. And then Mike, and then she jumps this weekend, takes over the world number one solidifying you know like how great she is and how you know how like misguided these quenisha burke burke's marks were now hey listen i'm not saying that it's a done deal like we might see quenisha burke's come back out get it back maybe beat her in an upcoming meet meet but uh what is your take on all this i did my best to recap everything that's happened over the past i'd say 10 days no that was great uh lie here Everyone knows that we're a big long jump podcast. And I say triple that, jump, triple jump, uh, triple jump jumps. You know, that's I was about to say, I, I say that somewhat facetiously because obviously we don't talk a lot of jumps. But when we do, it's because it's good stuff like this. Um, and, you know, being blocked on social media 
that that's like a that, that's a real thing, right? Because sometimes you see this track beefs, especially in the distance room. We'll talk about it all the time when like some of these beefs are manufactured stuff like that. The fact that she's actually got her blocked on social media soft. makes me it's super soft. It's soft, but it also makes me feel like there there's true resentment, right? Like the this is yeah. these shots are real. It's not just like a fabricated little beef. Um, I love the response from Tara. I love the fact that she comes back and takes back the world lead. And that is so deflating to go out on this rant, post your little picture on the beach, make it clear that you're calling somebody out and then to lose the world lead that quickly. Would I love for this one-on-one matchup to happen? Would I love for someone to pick it up and cover it and have this be an awesome event? This is where I get annoyed it's just because like how many times we talk about like how badass and cool would this be if we could just set up something like this a mano y mano it would get the whole track and field world like completely in on it it'd be a huge story it'd be amazing it'll never happen it'll never happen and we know it won't happen and it is what it is and we'll all kind of fantasize about it um and i get it you know she was mostly just talking shit just like trying to call her out but if they could actually go to a track, picture them going to like a local high school track with $5,000 on the line. I mean, it would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, please don't let this become uh Chalimo Lamong, right? We were all deprived. Exactly. We we're all deprived of what should have been the greatest distance showdown. It literally never happened. It never happened. Um, and it was like, it was getting towards the end of like when it could have possibly happened. And then, um, you know, COVID was a knockout blow for it. So, uh, do not let that happen. Do not let these athletes get out of their prime before we do a one V one showdown. Um, yeah, let's make it happen. Let's get like Jesse Williams. Where you at? Come on, man. Let's put this together. Let's put it up on YouTube. I'd pay some money to watch a, you know, watch a a pay-per-view of this and maybe we can throw in some other event with it too. But um, yeah, I mean, Hey Mike, there should be, I mean, the next track meet that they're both in DraftKings better be putting up lines. I mean, they'd be stupid not to, um, yeah. but so I've, yeah. I mean, I've always had this take. I'm, I'm sure I've ta- I think I've talked about it on here before, but I do not know why we haven't had a like, type of track event that pins up these type of like one-on-one matchups and and sell it like a boxing match right have your undercards have different events where it's just like this straight up one-on-one and have like the the main event and in this case like this could be the main event and you know maybe you have a you know just a random like mid-distance event you have like an 800 where just two guys duking it out. You have a 100-meter sprint where it's two guys. Duke, and it's like, you know, have eight to ten events. Except have the undercard. Two podcasters duking it out. Yeah, exactly. And just sell it this way. You know what I mean? It's like it would be – it's more streamlined. It's action-packed. It highlights the the individuals and the personalities in the sport because you're focusing in – on you know these individuals and I, I don't know i think it would be a great way to sell a track me it's different it's unique i would love to see something like that and this is like the exact type of thing that you can base it around 
you can have this be the headliner. People would show it to see this and see some other awesome, cool matchups along the way, strategically place them out. So it's like all the races and the jumps and the throw, you know, they'll be like neck and neck and it'll be, it'll be amazing. It'll, yeah. it'll probably never happen either. Speaking of, uh, of, of big, uh, big, uh, results this past weekend uh a name that kind of disappeared for a few months there but is resurfacing uh shakari richardson she runs let's see what she run this past weekend she ran the hundred yep she ran the hundred in 10.74 in doha i believe the time was which i think is the world lead right now 10.77. 10.77. Yeah. So uh getting a meet record, winning the uh, a Diamond League meet. Um she, she carries back. I think she's back. And here's the thing, Mike. I mentioned this. Ah man, we're going on like at least six months ago, maybe even longer, where I said I watched like an Instagram live where I was like, Mike. I think Shakari's likable. <laughs> I mean, because there was a while there. I mean, you look at the you look at the trials or the uh, yeah the um, USA's this this past USA's. She was like a true villain. Like she I was. I mean, you you in particular were out on her. Yeah, I was. I was. She was like a true villain, and like she didn't perform well. Um, and I don't know, like everything I've seen from her lately, she, she seems like a really likable person and she's doing well and i'm back in i'm back in on shikari but that being yeah I, I think i'm back in you know so and and i'm i must say it's it's easier to be likable when you're winning yeah it, but here's the thing like in in our whole take after the trials is like you can't be that much of a villain and suck like you need to right. be good exactly. to be a villain so she wants to lean if she's gonna be if she's gonna be the villain, she also has to be good. So um I don't know. I don't know. Like there's just I guess I like a comeback story. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm all in. And, I'm all in on Shakari. I want her to do well. I want her to make the next Olympic team. Like I'm I'm back in, you know? Winning winning cures a lot. Winning cures a lot. And if if you're if you're winning, you can get away with a lot more. Now I, I it seems like she's putting aside the antics right now and it seems like she's doing a lot less of that stuff um so yeah maybe she's just not like it's becoming likable but i do think there's something to be said for you can get away with a lot more when you're winning and if she starts winning and kind of starts feeling herself a little bit again you might see the villain come back out but again to your point it might be a villain that's more tolerable yeah i don't know i don't know i'm, I'm listen I'm on this roller coaster ride. I'm watching either way. I'm watching. I'm. I'm either watching the villain and maybe cheering against her, or I'm. I'm in on this. This. This rebrand, and uh, I'm. I'm a fan. I don't know. I don't know. It's a. Uh, I. I. Uh, she's. She's. She's a roller coaster, and I. And I'm. I'm. I'm here for it. So. Sorry, Mike. I. I forgot what was. Do you have anything else we want to talk about? I think that's it. I'm giving you a little bit at it. All right, let's uh let's just do a bell lap here real quick. All right, Mike, I think that's it for the episode. Let's uh let's uh let's do a bell lap. Mike, what do so, you got people on the what? Oh man. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? You know, it's like 
had too long of a gap in between podcasts and I ju- jumped the gun there. I started talking yeah. before you it was not great. That was that was uh, unprofessional and, and just not good. You hate to see it. Um, you know, we talked a lot of Boston sports up at the top of the show, um, but I'm still going to talk about Boston sports right now. Um, quick reviews on everything. Bruins. Uh, Steve, I got to be honest. I, I just, I, I, I don't, I, I can't get myself to like be super down and defeated by the Bruins. I'm not a huge hockey fan. And in the past during the, the playoffs, I've been able to like pull myself together to really care about Bruins hockey. And I just, I just couldn't do it this time around. Uh, even though they were like, you know, supposedly one of the best teams of all time coming into it. So I know a lot of Boston's hurting with the Bruins loss. Um, Mike, I, 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 I want to say this. I know it's your bell up, but I want to cut you off real quick. People that are saying that this is worse than 2007 Patriots loss in the Super Bowl, you have no idea. Yeah, you have. I can't even. You have no idea. That loss, that loss in 2007 sent the entire region of New England into a depressive tailspin. Like it was, it was a a funeral for like a month after that loss. Like you can't, you can't compare it. There's no comparison. There's no, first off football is bigger than hockey. I, I I know hockey fans. I'm sorry. It's just bigger. Second, it was in the super bowl. It was in the super bowl. This was the first round of the playoffs. So I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. The greatest regular season team of all time. The, that Patriots team didn't lose a single game in the race. Anyway, I don't want to go too down this far down this path. It sucked. I wanted to see the Bruins win the Stanley Cup, but it, you can't compare it. You just no. can't compare it. Um, I think Celtics are going to be fine, although it would be pretty brutal if Celtics and the Bruins came into the playoffs as, uh, you know, potential favorites, and they both get bounced early. Celtics going to be okay. And... I know, I know your feelings on this, so I, you know, I won't take it in too much. But this Red Sox team is fun. It's a fun team. They're fun. And Mike, they might be good. They might be good. They might be if, good. If if James Paxton is is okay, that would change a lot. They might be good, but they're a lot of fun. <laughs> they are fun. Um, you know, I I got nothing else to say. I'm gonna make that my bell lap. The Red Sox are fun. And I'm having fun. And hopefully I will be able to sing Sweet Caroline a couple times at Fenway this summer. But not when they're down. Not when they're down. Not singing. I'm sitting down. And I'm not doing the friggin' wave. And I'm not singing Sweet Caroline unless they're up by at least two runs. Okay? Two runs in the eighth. Then I'm singing Sweet Caroline. Other than that, I'm not doing it. Mike, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Hit me with the jokes. Josie's on a vacation far away Come around and talk it over So many things that I want to say No, I like my girls a little bit older I just want to use your love tonight I don't want to lose your love tonight I ain't got many Friends left to talk to No 
Where to run when I'm in trouble You know that I'd do anything for you Stay the night but keep it on the cover I just want you